biggest thing, man. Learn to be a blessing for someone else. I'm just telling you that it's all going to work out for you. And when you start picking schools, man, it's not a four-year decision. It's a 40-year decision. You know, go where you celebrate it, not tolerate it. Man, listen, welcome to Recoded, the podcast, the blueprint for the student athlete. Today, I got a special guest, my guy, David Johnson. He is the running back coach at Florida State. He um, he's, he's kind of a, I want to say, a silent mentor to me. A, a lot of the stuff that he puts up on his social media and his story alone is 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 just something you got to follow, and it becomes a mentorship for you because um, – Man, a, a lot of things that he talks about, just his story, we're going to get into that. And and, and every day you, you put up the little, you know, the letters to David, <laughs> to David yeah. And um, that, that stuff I pay attention to, man. You know, the no no weapon thing is huge. That that, that was that was big. Don't mean it ain't coming. That's right. It just means it, it, it ain't, you know, it won't, it won't prosper. prosper. That's right. So, Coach Dave, man, look, I'm going to give you the floor. I might have a couple of questions as you go. But uh, I made my guys watch that um, – that that Tennessee uh, thing you delivered to to the team or whatever that day when you told your story and 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 I want you to talk to us a little bit about you know how you were playing and and then how you got into the coaching world. Uh, first of all, uh, thank you for having me. I uh, really appreciate it. Always humble uh, when I have somebody come ask me to kind of talk and definitely tell my story. <laughs> but uh, basically, uh, I was a middle school teacher at uh, the Dryers YMCA. I mean, I I was really into it. I had sixth graders. I was over the sixth grade. And I mean, I was like, I thought I was like a real teacher. <laughs> but I was uh, teaching with Jabbar Jalouk. And one day he just asked me, he said, Dave, man, you want to get into coaching? I said, nah. I said, I'm telling you, man, I'm I'm, uh, I'm in school, not trying to be a principal. And like a week later, he was like, Dave, knock it off. Like, you really need to get into this coaching thing. It was 2001. And I decided, I said, you know, I'm going to go ahead and give it another try. Because actually I coached in 1998 at John F. Kennedy, but I only coached for a year and left. Didn't think it was a good fit for me. I went with uh, Frank Wilson and Jabbar Jalouk to O'Pare Walker High School. And that year, uh, I had the opportunity and blessed enough to coach three 1,000-yard receivers. One was a first-round draft pick. We signed 29 kids. You know, so my head just kind of blew up. I'm like, man, I'm probably I'm pretty good at this thing. <laughs> y'all, y'all had a big, y'all had a phenomenal group of guys that was together. You talking Jaluk and Frank Wilson and yourself, and and now looking at where everybody's at, you couldn't foresee that in the beginning, but that was his plan the whole time. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing, especially for uh, Jaluk and myself, we probably could see Frank in that light. We knew he really wanted to go to college. You know, that was his dream. And that's one of the main reasons I went. I wanted to help him uh, kind of really fulfill his dream because Frank is almost like a little brother, big brother to me, He although he was the head coach. Uh, and after that year, actually Jaluk left. He wanted to be the head coach at Edna Carr. Frank left to become the athletic director over all the schools. And I was kind of there by myself. And it, they tricked me. Uh, I didn't know Frank was leaving. Jaluk was already gone. Uh, we kind of locked him out the building after he accepted the job. Uh, we wouldn't even let him back in the building. And then actually when Frank was taking the athletic director job, it was the day of the Jamboree, and uh, he was dressed in a suit. And I was like, he must be trying something different this year. you know. But he told the team that you know he was leaving, and I was unaware of it. But the rest of the coaches knew. And he knew if he'd have told me earlier, I probably would have just left and not coached. But I stayed there for three more years. And uh, it was a blessing. And after that third year, um, 
it was just wasn't for me anymore. So I kind of moved on. A lot of people don't know this. After I left Opair Walk in 2004, I started working at the Hilton Hotel downtown at the front desk. I didn't know that. Yeah, I started working at the Hilton, and I needed a job. And uh, one of my really good friends, uh, Donald Dwyer, who's a manager there, he got me on. Um, and they told me after six months you could become a manager. So I was hit, and I was doing everything I needed to do. But I would always tell people about my dream of coaching college football. I worked there for five months. They was about to promote me. And actually, Coach um, Tyrone Payne called me from St. Augustine High School. He had played on a seven-on-seven against me the year before when I was at Walker. And he told me he wanted me to come over to uh, be an uh, offensive coordinator with Brantley Williams. And that was the first time I went to St. Augustine in 2004, and that team was loaded. You're talking about Chad Jones. It was a ton of people on that team. And we were going to play uh, Carr 2005 that, that next year in the Jamboree, and that was Hurricane Katrina. Hurricane Katrina hit, and we all scattered everywhere. And I went with my wife family. First, we went to Houston for a week. Uh, then we found out that we were going to Oxford, Mississippi because Frank Wilson had just became the running back coach and he had a house for us. It was 27 of us in the three bedroom house. Wow. You know, uh, so for, so for three days we were there and I got a coach from a former, um, I got a call from a former coach and he said he had a a job over there coaching receivers at Millsaps college. I had never heard of it. And I told him, I, you know, I definitely look into it. I talked to my wife, and she was like, at Mills, I college. I said, listen, I want to get in college. I said, not going back to New Orleans. Nothing really happened to our home. I said, it's a prime time to get into it. And it was two hours away from Oxford, Jackson. I got in my car. I packed everything up. My son at this time, probably like five or six months, garage five or six months. Uh, my wife stayed in Oxford with, the, with, uh, with her family. And in the middle of the trip, the coach called me. And I said, you know, I'm on, I'm on the hour away. He said, Dave, I didn't tell you. I said, what happened? I only could pay you $500 a month. I said, well, it don't matter to me. I said, I'm already coming. I said, just tell me I'm going to be over the receivers. And God will just kind of take care of the rest. And finally, when I got there and I told my wife, she was like, $500 a month? Are you crazy? I said, I'm telling you, this is it. This the opportunity. And she said, well, you know, you can go back and work for FEMA for 60 I said, I'm not doing that. Right. I said, I'm going to make it happen. And most people don't know at this time, I'm like 31, 32 years old. I'm not no young guy with a new family. I already had two older kids who were in high, who were in high school. So taking advantage of the opportunity, got to Millsaps. I was fired up, got to the hotel, told them I had my credit card, told me how much the room was. I had cash. They saw my license. I couldn't stay in the hotel. I'm like, what do you mean? He said, you're from Louisiana, from New Orleans. I said, I'm not, I don't have a voucher. I have money. I got credit cards. So I slept in my car for two weeks. Slept in my car for two weeks, and I just kept changing my mindset, saying, okay, God, thank you for the opportunity. Now I'm going to be the first person at work. And I just kept telling myself, I always kept myself trying to be positive because I, I had read the book, the, uh, the Secret, and at that time I probably only read it like once or twice, but since then I read that book 12 times. I watched the movie over 100 times. Uh, and, I, and, that, and those positive thoughts, you know, me being the first one at work and that first year, we actually won two games. I was coaching the receivers. Like I said, I was only making $500. And the defensive coordinator, I went to tell him, and the defensive coordinator at the time was Mike DeBose, who actually coached at Alabama. I told him, I said, listen, across the street, Bellhaven just offered me a job for 26, coach, 26-5. And he was like, Dave, they don't know anybody. I said, coach, I'm not making any money here. I said, when they offered me the 26-5, I told them they could keep the nickel. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I said, at the end of the day, I just, he said, no, they just be patient. 
So that's what I did. I went back on a roll. Coach the Bulls actually became the head coach uh, at Millsaps at that time. He came in, met with all of us, and paid us like $40,000. So, I mean, I was like, it was a blessing. And I stayed there. And most people don't know my family, actually. My wife and my son moved back to New Orleans because she worked for Oshner Hospital. Mm -hmm. So I would travel from Jackson, Mississippi to New Orleans, which is a a three-and-a-half-hour drive, three times a week. Right. uh, Three times I would go back and forth because I had to see my family. Now, the fourth year, uh, I was traveling back, got to uh, Macomb, Mississippi. The next thing I remember was welcome to Hammond. I was asleep. I was I was falling asleep on the road, so I I got really scared. I got really nervous. That was the first time that ever happened to me. I went back, said, told Coach the Bulls, said, "Look, Coach, you know this is gonna be my last year. I just can't. There's no way I'm gonna be able to do this." I said, "My son is starting to be a little too much," and he begged me. He called all college coaches. Everybody never heard of my name. Kind of laughed like. I don't know that we, we can't hire him. He said, Dave, don't go back to high school. I said, Coach, I'm just going to get a job. I need to be back with my family. And we won the championship that year, uh, and I was coming back home uh, to coach at home. Let me, let me let me hold you up because I think the the whole thing with the Millsaps job, with the staying in the car, is that defines who you are. That adversity is what built you into the man that you are today. And it's one of the things that I admire is because when you tell that story, not only do I, I hear you say it, but I see certain things in the kids that you've coached. Some of them two-lane kids that had 300 yards rushing in their career and then they go play in the league. Like, you know what I'm saying? Or, or they had um, – some of them, they didn't have the numbers, but that was instilled in them. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what, I, I, in my opinion, makes you special as, as, as their coach and their mentor. And when, when we know you say, you know, if the kid comes up here, he's going to be taken care of like family, we know that. That's, that's probably one of the, the, the biggest things that I kind of credit my wife, uh, my family to, because like you said, most people don't know every running back that started for me at Tulane University in four years, they all went to the NFL. And the one that comes to mind is Robert Kelly because he had a little situation at Tulane and just wasn't looking good. But that kid and his high school coach, Powell, they trusted me. They said, Dave, if you say something's going to happen and it's going to work out, we trust you. That was probably one of the scariest times in my coaching career because knowing the situation he was in, and I couldn't control it. So I just kind of kept asking God, like, God, like, you got to work this out for this kid. And the kid said, Coach, how would I go to the NFL if I don't even play at Tulane, and most people don't know Robert Kelly didn't play a lot of senior year. Mm-hmm. But I said, bro, whatever God have for you, they can't take it away from you. And not only did he go to the NFL, he called me the second day he was with the Washington Redskins and was like, coach, you know I'm sixth string. I said, but don't worry about that. The rest of the guys don't know protection. Your job is to protect the million-dollar quarterback. Anybody could run the ball and just keep your mouth closed and be nice to everybody in the building. And first week, of the season, he was the second running back. And he wound up playing the league for a few years. So just like you're saying, I just try to get kids to trust the process and actually enjoy the process. Don't be so in a rush to get somewhere. Just enjoy the process. I just think that's one of the biggest things our kids don't get a chance to do. And I tell people all the time, man, I'm not a great coach, man. God just really blessed me with some really good players. And I said, I mean, I really mean that. He did. He, did. he just I think football is a really simple game, complicated by coaches. Mm-hmm. There's only three things, Life you, is, right? But only three things you could do offensively: run inside the tackles, run outside the tackles, to throw the ball. That's it. 
That's all. I mean, that's all you could do. I mean, it's a really simple game, mm-hmm. and you allow the kids and uh, and the players to be special. That's what I try to do. I try to instill that in them. Yeah. So after the Millsaps, go ahead. You was- now after <clears throat> the Millsaps, it get it gets even. You know, that's how you know God working. Uh, I get home. Uh, uh, after after Mills house within a week, uh, my sister passed in Houston. Uh, we was always expecting my mom to pass because my mom had been sick for a while. My sister suddenly passed. And St. Augustine, you know, they had a job opening at the time, man. Just let go a really good coach I thought was Wayne Cordova. And um, I didn't apply for the at job. Lamar, nah. Yeah, at Lamar. I didn't apply for a job. A lot, a lot of people don't know this. I didn't apply for the St. Augustine job. Uh, that day, my sister's funeral, 11 people actually applied and they interviewed for that job. So they called me that night and, and said, Dave, we, we don't know you, but we just wondering why you didn't apply for the job. And I'm still a little raw at this time. I'm, you know, I'm like, Hey man, basically I just think y'all want a guy from St. Oh, I didn't go to St. Oh, I attended John Fitzgerald Kennedy college prep sound a little better than the K, you know? <laughs> so they were like, it was like, nah, cause we want to talk to you. See, cause 11 people interviewed for the job. Nine out of the 11 said you were the first coach they were going to hire. The other two were going to hire you, just wasn't going to be the first coach. I went, sat with them uh, the next day, and I didn't have anything. Uh, they asked me my vision and what I thought a program should look like and you know, what I was going to bring to the table. And I explained to them exactly what needed to be done, how I needed to look, and different things like that. And they were like, man, before you get to that light, bro, you're going to get a call. That's how I got the St. Aug job. Not, not at St. Aug, too. You – um. You had a couple of guys that just played in the bowl. But, again, it's like I said, it's, it's all God. Yeah. Nope. It wasn't a lot of people was really crazy about that job at the time. I think they won four games maybe in five years. They were really struggling after the storm. It was a real struggle that uh, was going from Xavier Prep to St. Aug, and they were just trying to trying to hold on. You know, that's why I applaud uh, Wayne Cordova so much because I just thought he did a really good job, and that was a tough job being a new coach. But, like you said, I take a job that nobody really wants, Tyron Matthews is a senior. Leonard Fournette is in the eighth grade. Trey Turner is riding, uh, riding skateboards yeah. to school. He's in the tenth grade. Lorenzo Dawson is in the tenth. I mean, the ninth grade. So you just, you, you just never know. And I just tell people all the time, man, God is going to put you where you want to put you. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was able to kind of get a really good coaching staff. I asked Dale Lee, which I think one of the best uh, minds. Yeah, Big and he's time. at Southeast and one of the best football minds. And I, I say Lee. They're going to hire me for this job. The only way I'm going to uh, take this job if you stay with me to be the D.C. And he was like, Dave, I'm going to stay with you. Then I had people from all different parts of the country just like, Dave, I heard you got the job. I'm on my way. I just quit my job. I'm coming. My cousin Darren Franklin, he came to help me. Uh, Darnell Smalls is in Arkansas. He came to help and me. And that's that's that side of you that everybody wants to be with Coach Dave. You, you know what I'm saying? You build that. And then, like you talk about a lot of times, because I say it too, it's just favors, not fast sometimes. Yeah. You and know? I just posted that too. Uh, <laughs> with the players I have, I say, some, you know, favor is not fair. You know, and, and I realized a long, a long time ago, I'm telling you, that after that first year at O'Para Walker, God kind of convicted me because I really thought it was me when I had Craig Davis, Milton Collins, Daryl Johnson. I really thought, you know, it was my cone drills, but I tell people that all the time. The reason <laughs> I say that because it humbles me and it always keeps me in the perspective of it's not you. It's God working through you. Mm-hmm. So don't ever get it twisted that it's you. So that, that's, those are the things that keep me humble. I always say it's not my cone drills and favor is not fair. You know, when God ro- rolling with you, bro, you know, you, you can't fail. Yeah, right. 
So so St. Aug goes and, and you leave St. Aug. St. Aug, uh that that went on uh, actually that that was a uh, that was a really just getting that building at twenty six hundred kind of really changed my mindset of what our city and what our kids needed. That building, what they do for those young kids, man, is is it's amazing. I'm just telling you. A lot of people don't understand. They kind of see it from the outside. I stayed there for three years. Uh, CJ called me, said he's going to hire me. And I'm just kind of waiting. He said, Dave, look, you're probably going to be the last person I'm hiring. I said, okay. So CJ tell me, come in on a Friday. He said, Dave, I need you to be here at 830. I said, okay, no problem. I go and I try to put some stuff together for an interview. I've never really been interviewed before on that level. I have all kinds of different markers and laptops. And I get there for 815. And I get this office, and CJ, if you know CJ, he just kind of, hey, Dave, how you doing? Kind of matter of fact. He said, what are you going with all that stuff? I said, well, you know, I just wanted to make sure for the. He was like, Dave, man, you got orientation at 9. I said, oi, CJ, I didn't tell the principal. I didn't, you know, I never told anybody about St. Aug if I was getting a job. I didn't want to take it for granted he was just hiring me. I thought he was calling me to talk to me. And it hit the news by 12 o'clock. <laughs> Before you knew <laughs> <laughs> at 12 o'clock, so all the kids are saying, oh, Leonard Fernandez stopped talking to me. I had to talk to his dad. I had to talk to Doogie. And his dad was like, hey, man, listen, you know, it's time for Coach Day to move on. And a lot of players like, Coach, you said we were going to be special. I said, y'all still going to be special. I'm just not going to be here. I said, I can't afford to pass up this opportunity because two years before I had passed up a college opportunity, I just didn't think it was a good fit. And one thing I can say about the two-lane job, CJ truly changed the game for me. And most people don't know that I've forever been indebted to the CJ. He made me coach running backs and tight ends. And he knew that was my first time. So I'm nervous. It wasn't a comfort zone for me. And you're talking Curtis Johnson. So yes. That everybody yeah, knows receiver, that. Uh, receiver yeah. coach for the Saints. Right. He changed it for me. And I was sitting there like, see, he said, Dave, you're going to learn. You're going to do well. And that was the best thing I think happened to me because I was able to kind of see it from a uh, – you start talking about run game. You start talking about protections and different things. And I learned. I was able to learn that. And I coached two positions. And after the first year, I didn't know how to ask CJ for a raise, to be honest with you. I just didn't. I didn't know how to go about that. And I was like, geez, I'm kind of looking at everybody else. And nobody's coaching two positions. So, And he gave me, I mean, a big raise, you know, going to that second, tight ends second year. Too, huh? I had a tight ends and running yeah. back. Because yeah, somebody yeah. else on the staff said, Dave, nobody in America is coaching running backs and tight ends. But I was <laughs> from high school. I didn't know. I was just happy to be in the building and right. happy to have the opportunity. The opportunity yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, the, uh, uh, like the Tulane thing, and uh, those kids were extremely smart, uh, really good kids. Uh, and we were able to kind of get some really good kids from out the state. Uh, we were able to go to Florida and get kids. And I enjoyed it. It taught me a lot. Uh, I was with Keith Williams, who's now with the Ravens, and that's what Keith would tell me all the time. Because Keith was coaching receivers, he's always say, "Dave, I know you want coach receivers, but CJ know what he's doing, bro. This going, this going to help you in the end." And I, I mean, I went to Tennessee. I coached running backs. Um, now at Florida State, coaching running backs. So again, it was it was a blessing in disguise. But CJ knew what he was doing. He was kind of grooming me mm-hmm. for something else and something different, which I thought was really good. Right. right. And you know, unfortunately, you know, uh, you have jobs that. You don't do a great job, and people have to come in, and they have to let you go. Uh, but I was always positive. I can remember me and Wayne Cordova talking all the time because he worked with us at Tulane. He was off the field. He said, Dave, every day you come in there smiling, and you know we about to get fired. I said, it don't matter, man. I'm just glad for the opportunity. Mm-hmm. I said, I just really thank God that, you know, he gave us a chance. We played a game on that. Fr- that last game was on a Friday. We got fired that Friday. 
And, you know, obviously everybody's hurt. They're upset. And I hugged CJ and thanked him for the opportunity. And CJ said, Dave, you'll probably be one of the people who could probably stay. I said, man, I just thank you for the opportunity. I got fired that Friday. Mike Novell called me that Sunday. And going back. To that Sam, was a big move right there. But that move started, uh, <clears throat> and I didn't say this earlier, but that move started in 2009 at St. Augustine High School. He was a coach at Tulsa, and it was his first year being a receiver coach. He came in. He asked me about kids at St. Augustine. I told him about all the kids in the city, what schools he should go to and this and that, and we kind of hit it off. That next year, he invited his entire staff to meet me. And he said, Dave, one day I'm going to be a head coach, and I'm going to hire you. I said, Mike, you don't have to promise me anything. I don't want. I just want my kids to go to school for free 99. You know, I said, I don't, I don't want anything. He said, Dave, I'm going to hire you. I hadn't talked to Mike in probably like five years. I was the first coach he hired. And how things work, and you know in this business, bro, everybody's chasing the money. Mm-hmm. You know, how things work. Mike hired me in December. Frank Wilson leaves for Texas San Antonio in January from LSU. So who called me? LSU called me, and Michael said, Dave, I understand it's LSU. I said, nah, you don't understand it. You don't know me. Loyalty means something. You gave me a job, and I didn't have one. Mm-hmm. I told the coaches. I said, I appreciate it. It would, you know, would have been a really good, really big move, but I, I'm a person about loyalty, you know, when somebody gave me an opportunity. And I, and I stayed uh, I stayed with Mike. And I had I did interview for LSU like uh, a year before that. That's when, And actually, Les Miles told me in the middle of the interview he wasn't going to hire me. But what he was he was trying to tell me was he was trying to get to know me. And that's why immediately in January, he was like, Dave, I'm going to hire you. Because he had interviewed me before. So I was just learning how this business worked and how things work. And at the end of the day, man, when I, and I stayed there with Mike uh, the first year. I had a walk-on receiver. Did a really good job. He broke all Isaac Bruce records. Then the next year, I had a few opportunities to go to other schools and say, nah, I want to finish this out with this kid. He has one more year. And he actually thought he was ready for the NFL. I said, not just yet. And he broke his record again the second year. Anthony Miller plays uh, for the Bears yes, now, yeah. you know. So that was that was a that was a great opportunity. Mm-hmm. And going into uh, after that second year, you know, Mike kind of gave me a raise, uh, gave me a few things, and we going into a recruiting meeting. And I had three opportunities to go to three different <laughs> schools, man. And two of the schools was like, I mean, they were big time. They were winning national championships in the playoffs. And then Tennessee came along, and I talked with Coach Pruitt. And I went up there in an interview, and everybody thought I was crazy because I picked Tennessee. But I picked it because it was a new coach. I'm, I want to learn how to be a head coach. And I watched – that was the third coach I worked for was his first year of being a head coach. So I could watch the dynamics of how he do things and what he's doing. And Coach you know, when, uh, Coach Pruitt gave me the opportunity. Uh, I was actually going into a recruiting meeting – uh, well, it was a recruiting weekend at Memphis, and I whispered to Mike how much they was gonna pay me. Mike said, "Nah, you don't need to come to this meeting, Dave. You can roll out." You know, he said, "He said, Dave, you passed up on too many opportunities, and basically, I don't want to explain to your wife again. I'll pass it up this type of money." So Mike said, "You know, he said, Dave, I think you need to take this opportunity." So I took the opportunity, uh, went to Tennessee the very first year. I coached the receivers, uh, went back to receivers, and I uh, I enjoyed that. Then the next year. Uh, we have another coach come in, and coach asked me, he said, Dave, we probably want to move you to running backs. I said, Coach, it don't matter to me. Whatever you need me to do to help the team, you know, as long as my check don't change, I'm good. Yeah. And he was like, he was like, all right, Dave, you're a coach of running backs. So that second year, I coached the running backs, and, you know, uh, I was able to recruit a lot of kids out of Memphis, that Memphis area, kind of getting familiar with that. And we kind of went on and um, 
And Mike Novell took the job at Florida State, and a lot of people don't know. It was it was a big uh, family decision. Uh, my son needed to get back to his closer to his best friend. His best friend uh, was my mother-in-law. She wound up passing three months after we got to Florida State. Mm. You know, so it's it's been a it's been a it's been a it's been a tough road because we got back because he wanted to be closer to his grandmother. He wanted his grandmother to see him play ball and. Cause she is, she was his biggest fan, mm-hmm. you know, and um, like that was that was the main reason why it was time to kind of move and get get my family back closer. But you know, everything worked, you know, the way it's supposed to work, and we're gonna continue to pray and actually just kind of go into the second year at Florida State, and it'd be the first year. It was really tough with all the COVID and different things, but yeah, again, yeah. you know, it's a, it's an opportunity to learn. Yeah. So so, coach, again, you know, I. I had the pleasure of meeting your wife and, and, and I worked with Karaz and all. And I, like, I thank them because I know, listen, we, we here and I know my job here, my wife takes care of the house and it's five kids and I know what she goes through. So I know the moving and the constantly running around and not knowing if you're going to be somewhere the next year, that not knowing is a, is a big thing. And, and I applaud them for, for you know, the, their support for you and, and stuff like that. And, you know, you always post family first, but I, I think you keep that even though you they in a different location a yeah. lot. But but that's a big thing. Um, so one of the big things for the show that we want to talk about is is you know there's so many things that these kids are being fed from a recruiting standpoint as to what they got to do and what they don't have to do and stuff like that. And but it ain't coming from the recruiter. You know what I'm saying? It's not coming from the college coach. And and I know it's God and family and, and all of that and academics. Like, once once you see that in a kid, it, and, and you could tell it, it's probably the film might be one of the last things that you look at, right? Well, I think the biggest thing, uh, and I try to break it down, for um, especially for families when they're trying to learn about this recruiting thing, I say basically make it like a job interview. The highlight tape is the resume. Most of us don't get hired just because we send in a resume. It takes multiple uh, interviews and different things that you have to do. And when they look at it like that, yeah, the resume and the highlight tape look nice because you haven't dropped the ball, you haven't fumbled the ball, you're never mad, everything is all good. But now let's get into depth a little more and see what type of person you are. Mm-hmm. Now let's – I want to go to the game when you're down. I know you can't come back. I'm going to see what you're going to do then. I want to see if you're going to block. I'm going to see if you – going to continue to run the ball. I want to see if you're going to be on the other side of the uh, field when the rest of your team is together. So those are the things that I look at that most people can't, you're not going to see on the highlight tape. I just think those things are big. And I tell kids the biggest thing, man, I just want to see you compete. And when I'm, when I get a chance to go in this school, when in these schools, I don't just talk to the coaches. You know, I, I talk to the one person who knows everything in the building. And that's, this is a secret. You talk to the janitor. He sees things that everybody else don't see. He's there the first person in the morning. He's there late. He's always going behind certain things. So at the end of the day, that's, you know, I, I kind of talk to people like that to kind of find out a little more about uh, about the individuals. So, again, I try to dig deep, try to find out what's going on with the kid, exactly what they want, uh, what they're expecting, and different things like that. I just think that's, that's, that's big because so many kids get caught up and they worry about so many different things that they don't have to worry about. At the end of the day, we really want them to compete. That's mm-hmm. one of the, that's one of the things that we kind of getting away from is compete. And 
and I'm and and I'm sitting and talking about that. My son came to me two weeks ago, and he said, "Dad, uh, the lifting coach wants me to get on the lifting team." Now, if you know Karaz, I mean, lifting not his, you know, Karaz <laughs> like about 160 pounds, 155 pounds at this point. But he told me, yeah, I said, "Look, man, go try it out." He's like, "Dad, you think?" I said, "Man, go." He said, "None of my other friends really want to do it." I said, "Try it. Don't worry about it." He went, tried it for the first time. Thursday, he comes on with a medal. He wins his weight division. I said, that's what it's about. Don't worry about failing, man. I said, failing is the fertilizer to success. I'm just telling you, don't worry about the failing part, man. That's 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 a part of it, man. You you want to fail as much as you can going full speed. It all work out, you know. So looking at him now, man, I just, you know, that's that's one of the big things. I, I hope kids get out of the system about failing, about messing up or not doing it right. Just go full speed. Mm-hmm. And, and, and another thing, too, that, that could be a big thing, and, and I know, you know, we, we had these conversations before, so I know where you stand at from the social media aspect of it, because social media could be your greatest tool, but it at the same time could be the greatest weapon that you're forming against yourself. That's right. You, you have to watch what you're putting out there. Uh, and unfortunately for our young people, they don't get to make as many mistakes as we did when we were growing up. I thank God they didn't have Facebook and different things like that when I was at Nichols. Cause you know, I'm just being honest with you. You know, I, it was some mistakes that I bounced back from. These kids can't bounce back from a mistake they made at 14 and they'll try to do something when they're 21, it comes back on them because they saw it on social media. And it's just, that's just the part that they have to be careful about, but they're growing up in this type of society in this environment. So they know that's one thing I kind of preach to my son all the time. Like, listen, man, you are a brand. They're watching everything that you do. You know, you, don't go on there every time you get upset about something or vent yeah, your yeah, feelings. Because yeah. once you send sin, you can't get it back. Right. And even you try to delete it, it's all over. You know, so that's that's one of the big things. And I just try to help him monitor that. And I tell a lot of kids, man, at the end of the day, you know, we watching your social, social media. We're watching the different things that you're doing, that you're trying to do. And at the end of the day, you have to make sure you're doing the right things. Mm-hmm. And then last, you know, Coach Duck's in here, and, and, and Duck's been been around me for a while, and you know he, he comes with us through the through the um when we go to camp and stuff like that. And just both of y'all as fathers, the positions too that you put your child in to be successful. You know, I, I listen to Eric Thomas and all of that, and Eric Thomas always talks about positioning and pouting. Like you could either not get something and pout about it or reposition yourself for success. So, you know, and, and you kind of touched on it a little bit just now, but in, in Karaz is getting a, a couple of offers here and there. And how, how does that feel? And I'm going to ask Donald the, the same question, like come in and, you know, getting to see your kid excel academically. Cause I know your wife don't play with the grades. So, <laughs> and I know Donald and his wife don't, don't either. So, you know, getting to see that and see your kid have that moment is, is, is gotta be huge. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, and it's, it's very gratifying to see, you know, again, and, and then just watching mine from, uh, from a young age, like he, he got introduced to ball early. Cause I, you know, I, I never went as far as like, you know, past the park ball level, but just coaching park ball and him just being in the atmosphere all the time. And then of course, you know, nine times out of 10, all the young men kind of look up to their dads. That's, that's the first, you know, guys who they want to. Oh, all right. 
<clears throat> my fault. So that's that's kind of like the first, you know, male figures that they're around that they want to emulate. So just to watch my son develop and, you know, push hard and, you know, do everything that he was asked to do as far as playing ball, then to see it manifest, man, it's it's beautiful. And I think that's that's one of the biggest things. Uh, and, and I think it's, you know, even with Duck, it was hard on him because he was a good father. So, you know, sometimes they'll take it out on Lil Duck just because his dad was a good dad. He was always there with mm. him. Like, they would almost get mad with him for having a good situation. Like, I tell my my son all the time, okay, your story's not going to be getting it out the mud. It's, you're not. It's not. That's not how you grew up. Have your own story, and it's okay to be who you are. And I know it's tough on him because they expect my son to know so many things. Well, your dad a coach, and my son always telling me, well, my dad don't coach me. You coach me. Mm-hmm. Like you, you have to explain this to me. I don't, I don't know everything, but just to kind of watch my son, we moved three times in the last four years for him to maintain a four point grade point average, uh, and he's doing different things. He's adjusting, so that that's one of the big things I I, I watch uh, from him all the time. And I tell him at the end of the day, man, when you start talking about colleges, and I used to tell Duck this when he was young, man, go where you're celebrated, not tolerated. All at the, the end time. of the day, that's what that's where you, that's where you're gonna play. Because if, if you inspire to go to the NFL, there's only one way to get there. You have to have film. You have to be on the field. I don't care who have the best locker room, who got the best this, best that, but you have to be on the field. So I, I try not to get my son so caught up until you have to go here, you have to go there. Man, go where you celebrate it. Go where you're going to develop as a young man and as a football player, man. Because once it's over with, it is over with. This is going to go by extremely fast. So I just want you to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Have fun with it. Have yeah, fun for with sure. It. Cause I, I know I know that it, it was as a as a dad, it's tough. And and you what's Karaz is gonna be a junior? Yeah, he's in the 10th grade now. He's in the 10th grade. So he'll be a junior next season. And and it's it's really when he's starting to enter into that world. He had a little early success and, mm-hmm. and it, it's gonna continue. But you know, from from that perspective, and then also from the perspective of you know, Lil Donald developed a little bit later yep. physically. He didn't right. look the right. athletic part right. in the beginning, but it was always hold on, it's coming. Hold on, right. it's coming. Right. But but one thing that you touched on too earlier, Coach, was is that you made a comment to Mike Coach Novell whenever he came in and you told him, here's where you need to go. See, you always put on for everybody. Even if it ain't a kid that could go to Florida State and that kid some kind of way comes in contact with you, if you can make a doorway for him, you're going to do it. I, I think that's that's the ultimate thing, and that's the thing I kind of live by, man. I just try to be a blessing to somebody else. Somebody was a blessing for me, and I tell people that all the time, man. Just try to be a blessing to someone else. And and sometimes what people don't realize that we'll try to go out our way and we're going to continue to help people. And and my wife just get amazed sometimes. Like some people, we were living in Wagwan, knock on my door at 10 o'clock at night. And like, I heard Coach Dave live here. I have a kid. And my <laughs> wife would be like, it is no way. Right. And, and she would she would kind of look, but she knew I was going to go out, try to help, or try to do whatever I needed to do. Because I just think those things are important, you know, because when people need help and they're looking for help, because I want somebody to do it for my son when it's his time. So I'm just trying to pay it forward. Right. But, but that's the biggest thing, man. I just want to be a blessing for someone else. And that's it, too, paying it forward because at the end of the day, like I said, me coming up and not knowing, you know, what was going on and, and how, how the process went, you know, it was 
I, it probably was one of those times I knocked on Coach Dave's door <laughs> at like 10, 11 o'clock because we live right around yeah. the corner from each I'm sure other. he called that phone at 10, 11 <laughs> yeah. o'clock. No, no, uh-uh, because look, because listen, at the same time, like Donald was what, 12? Uh-huh. They would be 12 yes. and 13 in front of Claymore Garden in the field. That's right. You know, and, and Coach Dave would pull up like multiple times like, okay, man, what's going on with this? But you know, again, and like 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 Coach Dave said earlier, you know, just me wanting to be the best father that I could be to help my son pursue his dreams or put him in a situation to be the best him that he could be, you know. So, and I, and I get it. I'm I'm you know for for all the coaches, you know, Coach Dave said it earlier. For all the coaches who took it out on my son, I'm sorry. I'm just that aggressive guy that just was not going to take no for an answer when it came to my son, you know, because I couldn't. Like, I can take a no from you, but I can't take a no and then bring it back to my son. Like, I can't do that. I couldn't do that. So, you know, for all those who thought I probably was a little too aggressive. Or, <laughs> and hey, I wouldn't man, apologize I'm, for yeah. that. Well, you know. It's your job. You know, but but you, know, you know. But some, I, I, think you know. The, I think the biggest thing in sitting here with you two guys, most people don't know, you know, the extent of our relationship is real. It's not phony. Uh, even even Gary would just come to me, Gia come to me like, yeah, I'm just telling you, I don't, that's what I love about him because he's going to be honest with me. Even we don't agree. Right. And he'll tell me, I don't agree with you, but I'm going to go ahead and do it for right now, but I don't. <laughs> but that's what I love. Those are the things that I know when it's real. Same thing with Duck sitting here. It, so you're not offering. No, I'm not offering right now. I got to come six, back. Six so you times. So, so you want to make him come back to camp? Are <laughs> oh, you going to come back to camp? Listen, we I'm went, not lying to you. We went to Memphis. <laughs> Six times. Listen, five times. The sixth time, I'm like, Donald, Coach Dave wants you at Memphis. Dad, I don't want to go to Memphis. I'm tired of going to Memphis. What are we going to Memphis for? I'm like, dude, listen, it's a process. We going to Memphis. You going to do what you got to do at Memphis. You're going to like it. You're going to love it because this is what you wanted, correct? Yes, sir. Okay, well, let's get in this truck. We going to Memphis. And that sixth time, yep. he got that offer. And you couldn't tell him nothing all the way back home. You know, I had to hold, roll the windows down because his head was sticking all out the windows. It was so big. Yeah. But it's the process. That, and that's, you know? that's, that's, that's the biggest fall thing. Fall in love you know? with it. Yeah, what you in said in the it. Tennessee video, fall, fall in love. Fall in love uh, fall, with it. Fall in love with improvement. Yeah. You want to you, 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 you fall in love with improvement every day. You want to try to find. And one thing we say all the time, uh, we want to get 1% better every day. Yeah. And if you learn to do that, and getting 1% better, but you truly want to fall in love with improvement and just trying to improve yourself in every area. You know, uh, I mean, I started reading your book, man, and just amazing how you just were so resilient. And what that book is teaching me is about God's grace. And not only we should have it for each other because we never know what each other going through. We all have battles. All of us have something that we fight, man, or we form or something. It's a, it's a part of it. It's human nature. And as I read that book and how many times you fell, you know what? Kept getting back up. You just found a way. It just wasn't, it just wasn't right. And now that I see you in this space, you know, this is not our job. You know, this is your purpose. This is what God called you to do. And you can see it. You know, you, you would get, and like I tell you all the time, you would get so upset with other people. And I used to tell you all the time, they don't know they don't know. It's okay. It's going to take them a while to catch up. Mm-hmm. Now it's going once <laughs> once this once you do what you got to do, you're going to have people coming to hey, remember and you know I was really behind you, but you know, but I'm just I'm just and, I, and, the reason, and the reason I say that because every job that I got and um, you know Quan Drake is like a little brother to me, he be with me all the time. 
he actually seen people come up to me, hey, bro, you know why I ain't, you know, I'm the one who really gave you that Tulane job. And I would tell people, thank you, man. I really appreciate it. And he was like, "Dey, you know, you they, didn't. they didn't even help you." I said, "It doesn't matter, man. Just yeah. you know, you just be appreciative, people. You thank them and just keep it moving, man. At, at the end of the day, but that's that's the key, man." Man, listen, Dave. I, I know you got to go. You got a flight to catch. Again, I can't thank you enough. It means a lot for you coming on the show and all. I, I know how busy you are, you know. And and um, if there's any little last words you want to leave that student athlete with. Cause that's really what this is about. I, but, um, I, first of all, I want to thank you guys for even having me. And uh, and I tell people all the time, man, continue to be humble. But as you going through this, man, the biggest thing, man, learn to be a blessing for someone else. I'm just telling you that it's all going to work out for you. And when you start picking schools, man, it's not a four year decision; it's a forty year decision. You know, go where you celebrate it, not tolerate it. At the end of the day, when you go where you celebrate it. And go through it. Sometimes it's going to be tough. That's a part of it, man. You're just building. It's making you stronger. So you got to look at everything in a positive light, man, because I I sit here uh, in college and coaching, man, but I tell people all the time, man, I'm, I'm really just a high school coach with a great opportunity, man. So at the end of the day, I try to learn as much as I can learn from everybody, but I appreciate you for having me. But the young people, man, just keep fighting and enjoy the game. Enjoy it. Don't let it be any – man, enjoy it. It's football. At the end of the day, man, you want to enjoy this, man, because life goes on, man. Enjoy the journey. Yep, for sure. Well, man, that's it for today. Recoded the podcast, the blueprint for the student athlete, and um, we'll see y'all next time. Thank you.